Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less each day, we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God. I'm Brandon Levy, and today I want to talk about a category of the Psalms that invoke curses. And in particular, Psalm 69, where, where David cries out there, pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them, asking God uh, to pour out his wrath on his enemies. Now, some consider these Psalms as incongruent with the Christian's faith because Jesus taught us that we're to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, to bless those who curse us, and to pray for those who abuse us in Luke 6, 27 and 28. And Jesus prayed for his enemies on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know what not what they do in Luke 23:34. But it sounds like these Psalms here are doing the opposite of what Jesus said and did. And that might be a reasonable conclusion if Christ and his disciples didn't say anything else on the subject, but they did. And the key to understanding this psalm is to rely on how they used it, how they quoted it explicitly, including the curses contained within the psalm. You know, the New Testament writers, they didn't shy away from talking about God's vengeance. They didn't shy away from talking about God's wrath. In fact, they found David's exclamation here useful to explain the teaching of Christ. First, let's look at the psalm itself. You know, the situation here in Psalm 69 is that David feels overwhelmed by personal enemies. You know, people who are seeking to destroy him, not necessarily military enemies, but people who want to destroy him personally without cause. He says that the water has come up to his neck and he is drowning because of these people. He doesn't claim to be perfect. David knows that he's sinned. In fact, he admits in verse 5 that he's committed wrongs and that God knows full well of his guilt. But these people that are trying to destroy him, they aren't doing it because of David's sins. They aren't doing it for any legitimate reason at all, in fact. Verse 4 says that those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are the enemies without cause, those who seek to destroy me. You know, David wanted... God's glory. And people hated him for that. Verse 7 says, For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. In verse 9, he says, For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. In other words, David is suffering because the people want God to suffer, and they're putting it on him. The people want to insult God, and David, as his servant, receives that offense. And he pleads with God to rescue him from this miserable situation as only God can. Verse 14, it says, Rescue me from this mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me from the deep waters. Verse 18 says, Come near and rescue me. Deliver me from my foes. And then comes verses 22 through 28. After he's asked for rescue, after he's asked for reprieve, he asks for this. He asks and brings curses on his enemies. He prays to God that these enemies, his enemies and God's enemies, experience the full force of God's judgment. Verse 22 says, May the table set before them become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. Now to summarize, 
we have David here who he's not perfect, according to verse five. He's striving for righteousness, though, in verse 28. He's someone who loves God. He wants him to be glorified. That's why he is being tried here. And he knows that God is someone who forgives, is the God who forgives, in verse 28. And because of all of this, David is suffering in the hands of those who want to insult God. And in his cry for help, he calls on God to punish these enemies. And the New Testament, in quoting the psalm, is never embarrassed by it. It's never critical of it. It never treats this psalm as something we should reject or leave behind. It, it treats the psalm as, as something that we can actually learn something about Christ's teaching from it. Uh, Jesus regards the psalms as inspired by God in Mark 12, 36 and elsewhere, and that this psalm is revered and it's honored as sacred truth. So how should Christians respond to it? How should we respond to the curses in the Bible? What does it mean for our relationship with God now? Well, first, we should find approval of God's judgment in this psalm. We, we should hear the inspired voice of David suffering for the glory of God and expressing his desire for and approval of God's judgment on the, the unrepentant adversaries of the Lord. And we should see his approval there. He is making it plain that God's judgment does come, and it is right, and it's even desirable, and that it should come when the adversaries are beyond repentance. There is judgment coming. And at that day, despite whatever Christians endure in this life, we will approve of what God does then. That is what God or David's exclamations make plain for us. Second, we can see the foreshadowing of the teachings of Christ. And what David experiences while working for God, Jesus experiences it tenfold in his own ministry. The psalm points forward and it says that Christ's suffering will be a saving and a condemning suffering. Everything Christ did centered on two great commands, love God and love others. That's the glory of God. And for those who accept God's glory as their glory, redemption's at hand. But for those who are hardened by God's glory, condemnation is coming. Third, Psalm 69 should give us an incentive to forgive. And the main thing to understand is that we don't take the curses within the Psalms as encouragement or incentives to curse our enemies. In fact, in Paul's mind, the Psalm takes us in the exact opposite direction. Paul quotes the Psalm in, in Romans 15, 3, to encourage us to deny ourselves rather than to gratify our hunger for revenge. It says, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. In other words, Christians are to forbear to forbear as Christ. We forgive those who hurt us because God forgave us when we hurt him. Ephesians 4.31 warns us to get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice, to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. We are forgiven to forgive. But this is not because there is no wrath, not because there is no punishment, no judgment. And Psalm 69, it tells us that. It is precisely because there is a judgment that we are forgiven. Judgment is coming. And that is why Jesus came to be with us and to suffer beside us and because of us, because he loved us enough to give us a chance to be set free from the sentence of sin. We don't forgive because there is no judgment. We forgive because there is a judgment. Judgment is real. 
but it's not our business to execute. The fact that God will do it and that it's right for him to do it is the very means by which we are able to follow Jesus in suffering for the sake of others who've wronged us. Romans 12, 19 says, don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. God's vengeance is not to be underestimated. He will preside at the judgment of man. God will decide and we will approve. But until that day of judgment, we follow the words of the Messiah. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other side. If anyone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. That'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. And we look forward to sitting down and talking with you next time. Hey, thanks for watching this episode of Rooted Daily. We're praying that you're growing with us as we study the Bible and use God's word as our only foundation. If you appreciate this content and want to make sure that others see it, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app and hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, shoot me an email to brandon at rooteddaily.com right now.